The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Alex Ewell, Deputy Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us again today for our latest update on tech. I'm joined by my colleague, Eric Savitz, Barron's Associate Editor who covers tech for us from Silicon Valley. Hey, Eric, welcome. Hey, Alex. So, you know, we're in this uh, bit of an odd month period for tech. We've had this banner year for tech stocks. The NASDAQ has run into the reality of September, which is often bad for stocks. Um, I think that combined with a resume, a resuming rise in yields has really hurt tech. The NASDAQ is off 7% this month. Um, so now we're at this point of, you know, what 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 do we what do we think about tech? Is this just a, a seasonal thing? Is this a bigger issue? Uh, and I thought we could spend some time talking about that today. Um, you know, it's worth noting. I think the last three months of the year tend to be better for stocks, so that may be working in tech's favor. Um, and uh, you know, there there also there's a, there's more around AI. There's government regulation. Then there's the start of third quarter earnings season in a few weeks. All of these have the potential to uh, potentially get the tech rally moving again or or, or continue this recent uh, decline. So uh, I don't think you and I can say too much about seasonal impacts for the market. You know, so I, yeah. think- I, I do think it's before we get into some of the details there, I, I do think it's worth mentioning, right, of course, that tech had a fantastic first half. Yes. Right? So, so after a terrible last year, tech yeah. stocks went like, you know, when 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 nuclear in the first half and so fantastic returns year to date returns despite you know as you say kind of a crummy september um are still really good for you know if you if you finish the year where we are right now um you'd have a really good year for tech and you know with with in some cases triple digit returns for a large cap uh for some large cap names so um, you know, like all things are relative. Like, let's keep that in perspective. And and I do think it is true that you know, you know, last year, of course, tech was plagued by the spike in interest rates and the Fed's aggressive uh, tightening um, cycle. And there was some hope this year that we, you know, this was going to wind down and maybe we'd start to see some uh, rate cuts. And that just does not seem to be on the table. And you know you're seeing that in 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 what's happened in in um, in the bond market, and and then that is directly affecting uh, tech stock valuations as it did last year. It's like sort of shades of the same story. I think the other thing, and we'll, we'll, I know we're going to talk about AI a little more in, in a moment, but I would also note that one thing that's happened on AI, um, you know, which by the way is still really less less than a year old if you start the the sort of uh, mania with the launch of ChatGPT last uh, November 30th. So we're, you know, we're like 10 months into this um, storyline. Um, uh, but one thing that's happened is some of the companies that have made a big play here um, are, are, you know, they're working a lot and they're rearranging their business models to make this work. Uh, but it's going to take a while, particularly for the enterprise names, to really see returns on this investment. Um, so companies like Oracle and uh, Microsoft and Adobe um, 
are going to benefit in the long run here, but didn't see that in the most recent quarter, which is really not that surprising, but the street was hoping for better. So the AI mania has calmed down a little, which I think is also an ingredient in this uh, softer period. Yep, I think that's absolutely the case. And as you noted, uh, you've still done pretty well this year. NASDAQ is uh, up 25% year to date, even as even after this uh, September decline. So um, yeah, let's um, so let's talk more about AI, as you mentioned. So you spent the day yesterday at the Meta platforms uh, at their annual Connect conference. Right. That's in the past been sort of a hardware social networking focused event. Uh, they did have some hardware yesterday, um, but they also spent a lot of time on artificial intelligence. So, uh, you know, given given that you were there, you want to give us a flavor of what it felt sure. like? Um, I think, yeah, yeah, know. absolutely. So, um, so, so Connect uh, used to be called Facebook Connect uh, back when Meta was Facebook. Um, and, and, you know, this is their annual developers conference. Um, this year, for the first time, they actually held it on their corporate campus in Menlo Park. Um, uh, Silicon Valley historians might remember that 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 particular building complex was once the home to Sun Microsystems. Um, so it's kind of a, a well-known location. Um, it's uh, uh, there were at least a thousand people there, mostly developers, but quite a few media. Um, and they basically did three kinds of announcements. Um, the one everyone knew knew was coming uh, was they launched the uh, Quest Three mixed reality headset. It's now really focused on mixed reality, not just virtual reality. So you can, uh, you know, see the world around you, but add like virtual elements. Um, that headset was priced at $499, which again is not really a surprise. Um, still, it was interesting and it is quite a contrast uh, to the Apple Vision Pro, which will launch early next year if things uh, stay on track. Uh, that one's priced at $3,500, so much more expensive. Uh, but again, this still feels like kind of a niche market. Um, they also announced the the latest incarnation of their Ray-Ban uh, 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 glasses, like virtual reality glasses, or really, still, I guess, we're augmented still, reality glasses. We're still doing virtual reality or augmented reality glasses, huh? Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting is... Uh, they're, they look cool. They're Ray-Bans, right? Like they, they look like, you know, super sleek, but they happen to have embedded in them, uh, you know, microphones and uh, and in particular uh, cameras that have the ability to take both still and um, uh, video uh, images. And, and they were encouraging people to use them for live streaming their activities on the web. And all I could think of is someone is going to get punched in the nose. Um, well, like it just feels like shades of Google Glass. Right. That's for they've not sold so well so far. People by who mind. don't. Right. That's why. For people who don't remember, this has been tried by Google. It's been tried by Snap. Um, they have not changed the world thus far. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the, the notion of being able to quickly access uh, information via your glasses or, you know, have a layer of uh, you know, data or objects or whatever um, on the real world through your glasses uh, is interesting. But, you know, there's kind of a real privacy right there. It's sort of an intrusive little camera built into the into your glasses seems like uh, something that a lot of people would uh, not like. Um, you know, the ability to live stream your activities from your glasses, um, you know, uh, I don't know. It seems like perfect for porn, but I, I'm not sure that it's uh, it's going to have a lot of utility. And I don't think there's very um, 
there, there are very low expectations. The street doesn't really care about this product. So the big news of the day was around AI. Um, and uh, so, you know, Meta has been working on AI in various ways for a long time. They've got this uh, Llama uh, to large language model, which a lot of people are using uh, to, to uh, develop um, um, AI uh, software and tools. But they weren't using it in a direct way. Like it was embedded in some of their uh, advertising algorithms and things like that. But the consumer didn't really see too much of it directly. But that has changed. So uh, they announced a few related things. One is they're announcing an AI platform that's just called Meta AI. Uh, Meta AI will be available across their family of apps, as they like to say, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Messenger, et cetera, WhatsApp. Um, you use by uh, 3 billion people, right? Yes, used by 3 billion people. So that's a pretty good start, right? So yeah. uh, it'll be embedded across those applications and you'll be able to include them. Like, say you're doing a chat with your friends, you can, uh, you know, include Meta AI and uh, collect information. Say one of the examples might be, uh, you know, you're chatting with your friends and planning a hike uh, for the weekend. And you might say, you know, hey, Meta, uh, where should we go hiking this weekend in the Bay Area? And it'll give you some suggestions, that kind of thing. Sort of familiar chatbot behavior. It's not really a standalone app, so it's really intended to be embedded in, um, in all of these other experiences. Although you could certainly imagine how it could be a standalone app. That's not how they introduced it yesterday. And then they also introduced, um, on a related note, um, a family of like personality driven apps. They announced 28 of them, um, all chatbots uh, with slightly different uh, focus and personalities. So first of all, they're topical. So there's like one for cooking and one for, you know, uh, mixed martial arts and one for travel, et cetera. And some of them have um, celebrity uh, kind of I don't know if you call them like endorsers or sort of like they're trying to in inject the personalities of various celebrities. So the one that was the most amusing, I thought, was uh, there's a personality that they call uh, the Dungeon Master, which is really designed for like Dungeon and Dragons players. And the celebrity uh, personality there is um, is Snoop Dogg, uh, who I think has missed his opportunity to be a Dungeon Master. I think it fits his personality <laughs> quite nicely. Yeah. Um, and they did a demo, which got a lot of giggles from the crowd. And, um, uh, and you know, there's all sorts of others. There's um, uh, there's a Tom Brady one, and there's a Kendall Jenner one. All right, so are these, these are live, when do these go live? So uh, they'll go live in, a, uh, in, in soon, but not quite yet. So you can't okay. use them yet. And then how uh, am I gonna use them? Like how, how is this? Um... So, uh, you know, Alex, don't you like to play Dungeons and Dragons with Snoop Dogg? I mean, I, I think, no, I but think, am, I, am I like going through WhatsApp to actually then, am I going to get like a, dro a drop down to, to start my- Yeah, it'll be like in the in the experience of on, on in all of these apps, it'll be slightly different. I mean, it, I, I think it's, you would, you could certainly imagine in the long run, it might, uh, you know, maybe there'll be some sort of standalone experience. That's not exactly what they showed, but mostly they were focusing on, on like Messenger. Uh, well, you can Got imagine- it you know, you'd send a messenger to the dungeon master. And he, okay. Like, and not public, like so much of what's on Facebook, obviously the idea is that you're doing it for everyone in your, in your uh, follow, in your group. Is it, it does this have more of a one-on-one -on -one feel to it still? Um, yeah. Although, you know, they certainly, you know, demonstrated in part the idea that you might use it in a chat 
uh, like, you know, in a group chat, say, okay. You know, okay. kind of setting, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, there are other people to do this. There's a, a startup called character AI that really is focused on this idea of having like personality driven chatbots. <clears throat> I will say that this does set the stage for like all kinds of mischief. And I'm sure we'll be reading stories about misbehaving chatbots, um, before too long. Uh, now, do you think, I'm curious here because we've talked before about, and I'm just going to expand this topic a little bit, but we've talked before about Apple and the fact that they are so far fairly quiet on the, um, on the AI front, but many of us use like iMessage every day with multiple people. Is there any reason to think that Apple won't at some point turn on something similar in iMessage where instead of, you know, picking my friend to chat with, I'll just go to my iMessage and start chatting with a, a, a virtual Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. They've shown no uh, evidence of that. I haven't seen any, you know, rumor mongering of that variety just yet. I mean, okay. there is a lot of speculation what what um, what Apple's going to do in AI and, you know, some form of that or something involving an updated version of Siri yeah. might make some sense. I, I guess uh, the reason I ask is it's just so interesting to me that, that and they think smart, uh, I don't know what you think, that Meta is taking the approach that we're going to kind of bring the AI to you in apps that you're already using, as yes. opposed to trying to say, hey, go to go to this new web browser, in Microsoft's case, for Edge and play around with, um, with um, Bing AI. Um, so it's like they're bringing it to you. And, and right. And, and, and I think there's something else important to mention there as, as we talk about Siri, which is, um, so one of the experiences they demonstrated was for people who are using the, uh, uh, you know, all important Ray-Ban uh, uh, mixed reality glasses is um, uh, you'll be able to talk to your glasses and say, hey, Meta, you know, show me a map to do this or hey, Meta, um, who won, you know, the 49ers game or whatever. So like you, you'll be able to talk to them and. Um, that's familiar, right? That's a lot like the Siri experience. And I would also note that one other thing that happened is uh, recently is um, ChatGPT is adding a um, an audio portion right um, to its experience. Um, and so you'll be able to, you know, you, you, you can really do this already. You can verbally ask questions, um, which is again much like Siri, except Siri doesn't have the AI component just yet. So. Um, that's an interesting one. Now, I, I need to point out one other thing that they announced, which is interesting. Um, they announced a new image generation um, uh, uh, AI function, which they call EMU. Um, uh, it's an acronym for something that you know doesn't really matter. But EMU, uh, EMU will compete. You know, in effect, is is a you know familiar. It's a lot like the uh, the Adobe Firefly image generation tool. Um, and by the way, there's another new one that just launched uh, from Getty Images. The stock photography house just launched a uh, text image service. Um, I don't think it's available to consumers just yet, um, but they're doing the same thing. And, and if you want to try that out, you can, because um, I just did this like a few minutes ago and it's embedded in Instagram Messenger. So like if you want to... Um, you know, you can tell, uh, and in, 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 in a sticker functionality. So, you know, like on an, on instant messenger, um, what, 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 whichever app it is, you can add stickers to your messages, some yep. you know, yep. little, cute little animals or whatever. Um, and so now you can using emo, um, you can make stickers of basically anything. So, okay. you know, you can say, uh, well, well, you can say anything, uh, make me a picture of like a panda, you know, playing tennis and then there it is. So, 
so that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I imagine uh, maybe in Adobe's headquarters yesterday there was a little bit of a groan, and, and the thinking was, well, you know, we're not getting into social networking. Why don't you stay away from uh, from our imaging business? But that's yeah, cool. yeah, I, I will. There's there's two other things I should mention about this. One is they they also announced a platform like um, uh, for uh, developers to develop their own AI personalities on top of uh, the meta AI uh, uh, functionality. So you can yeah yeah in theory maybe you want to have i don't know um like a branded experience i was gonna say is that something that like a brand could go into and like yes. uh, nike could go in and create a talking sure. shoe if they want yeah. To yeah and that also by the way that also kind of touches on uh the adobe story which is they're really trying to um uh they're really trying to um uh make their image generation um uh corporate safe right so that there's no risk of like you know impinging on other people's ip uh, on that kind of thing uh which i thought was interesting one other thing that's worth noting is that um in meta ai in their their chat experience they're partnering with of all people microsoft bing um so that the experience will include access to the live internet and so like if you want information that may not necessarily be in the core model you can say, you know, hey, Meta, who won uh, the game last night? Or, hey, Meta, what's the weather going to be this afternoon? Um, and uh, they don't have that information inherently. And so they're relying on uh, Bing to do that. My understanding is that they are also going to work with some additional partners, particularly for areas like weather, sports, and news. Um, but not necessarily Google. <laughs> but not Google. Yeah. Um, so and that feels a lot like the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Um, right. Where... You know, Google, um, Google and Facebook uh, compete head to head for advertising dollars. They are by far the two largest players, of course, in online advertising, um, you know, whereas Microsoft is not particularly oh. to Facebook in that. So uh, I think, guys, but uh, so we'll see how that all plays out. I think that, yeah. And I think that relationship. So if we if we let's see, we'll see where it goes. Right. But if you get this growing relationship between um, Facebook, uh, Meta and uh, Microsoft, that's somewhat reminiscent, and I bring it up because this is going through the courts right now. That's somewhat reminiscent of the long ago deal you got between Apple and Google to make uh, Google the default on uh, on iPhones, which is the, at the core of the government's argument against Google right now, right? Yeah, in the case that's ongoing as we speak. As we right? speak. So, so that's really uh, interesting to me. Um, yeah, no, Apple, I'd note that um, apparently, uh, we were not in the courtroom, but apparently this week, uh, one thing that happened in that case was, I think Johnny Ive um, uh, testified that when they were discussing their search options uh, for uh, for iPhone and Safari, felt like they had no really good alternative to using, uh, using uh, Google search as a default. Now, um, I'm sure Microsoft would, take issue with that um but uh but but it is it is the crux of that case is um is whether being the default option uh on search and, and of course you can change like you don't have to use google if you're you know on your iphone you can use you know um uh you can use bing or you know duck duck go or one of a few other things um but most people do not make that change and you know the government's case is basically saying look you can do that, but it's so powerful to be the, uh, you know, the the default that most yes. people don't change it. And 
you know, Google says, well, people don't change it because we're better. Yeah. And, and the government then says, well, you're better because you have more data because you're the default. So like there's a, yeah, it, it just depends on how you want to view that situation. Um, it is, uh, that case is, you know, continues on. It should wrap up sometime in, I believe in November. And, um, and then we'll, you know, we'll get a decision maybe sometime early next year. This is a, a bench trial. There's no jury. Um, so it's just going to be about when the judge uh, issues an opinion. And, and I suspect no matter what happens in that case, whatever the ruling is, you know, there's a reasonable chance it gets appealed. So, right. Okay. And so I just, you know, to me, it's fascinating to see history repeating itself because if AI um, and AI platforms are sort of the new mobile phone in terms of disruption and the next revolution, you yeah. already, you already seen relationships forming that, if we go to the mobile thing, have now become major antitrust trials. So it's just oh yeah, yeah. These things I, are- I want to mention one other thing, which you and I have talked about uh, yesterday, some uh, about the way things unfolded yesterday at this event. Um, so I'll say two things. Um, first of all, I was struck by the fact that, say, unlike the recent Apple iPhone launch, which was done, which was completely pre-taped highly produced, very polished, all that stuff um, that they do with basically no real life component other than, you know, like you can just get a hands on on the new phones. Um, uh, Mark was on stage uh, for, you know, for the opening, uh, 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 for the keynote, um, did most of the introduction of all the new stuff. And then somebody else, a few other people came on to give like some additional detail, but it was all done live. It was not on video. Um, you know, there was a lot of hoot and hollering from the developers. I do think that's really interesting because it brings us back to the days of Steve Jobs. It's almost a throwback. It's kind of a throwback. Yeah. I mean, in fact, uh, you know, we were all sitting in front of a, uh, actually outside in a pavilion in the center of this giant complex of uh, buildings. And, um, uh, it wasn't clear at first if there was going to be, if we were just going to be watching video and it turned out, no, Mark came out and, um, and did all this live and, uh, seemed pretty cheery and chipper and and was in good form. So I thought that was interesting. Then the other thing that happened, which, uh, from, which is kind of touching on the stock reaction yesterday was, so they, the order of the developments here were like quest first, then the meta, uh, then the, the Ray-Ban goggles and then all the AI stuff. And what you see with the stock is while they're talking about the meta and, you know, they talk, they were also talking about things like, you know, uh, the next version of Horizon, which is their, you know, virtual reality world and, you know, adding new gaming, game features and Horizon stuff like that. Like as they're, t- the more they talk about that stuff, the stock began to sink. Yes. And at one point yeah. it was down, I think as much as like 4%. Yeah. And then, and then they started talking about AI. And I know by the way, that like there was, you know, there was some coverage that this was going to happen. The Wall Street Journal wrote a um, story, like talking about some of these personalities, although they had only part of the story. But as they started talking about the AI part, the stock turned around, <coughs> bounced off the bottom. At one point, it was actually in the green. It ended up a yeah. little bit lower. So if you look at yesterday's chart, because we were doing this, there is like this V in the chart um, that that represents what the exact dynamic you're talking about. And the stock's up two and a half percent today. So, so basically, you had a you had the market in real time telling you we don't want to hear about the metaverse. Oh, but we do want to hear about AI. Yes. I mean, I think, I think that there is a sense that um, uh, like that, that for all of their enthusiasm for the new uh, Quest headset, and I did try it out, which I can talk about for a moment if you like, uh, but um, 
you know, for all their enthusiasm about that, it does not feel like a game changer. You know, the fight, despite the fact that, <coughs> you know, the company changed their name and everything, um, right. this does not feel like the future of the company. Whereas AI um, uh, feels like, um, you know, a, like a real opportunity for them in lots of ways, right? Whether it's, you know, in internal the business, like better advertising targeting, uh, you know, uh, uh, giving, sticking their finger into the search pie, um, really kind of taking on Microsoft and um, and Alphabet in um, in search bots. Like they're they're um, uh, they're doing some interesting things in AI here, and I think the market is excited about that. Like some of the, I guess, if there was a criticism, one thing that is true is that the way that advertising and marketing will play into this whole set of chatbots they announced wasn't entirely clear and i saw an analyst or two who's sort of kind of grumping about they wish they had a little more detail about that but it's coming you know they're advertising driven business they'll figure this out and as we said there will be some opportunities to do branded chatbots so um but but you could definitely see that the market is way more excited about the ai opportunity for them uh than than uh virtual reality which now just feels like kind of a side show that isn't really going to ever really drive the business right. although they are trying to put them together right so you can have like these you know so you can have uh, snoop dog talking to you about dungeons and dragons as an avatar in uh in Hor uh, horizon so yeah if that's what you're into all um, right so why don't we um it's, it's it's all it's fascinating we're going to be watching meta's sort of metamorphosis uh as uh, over the coming months because it's yep. certainly ongoing um why don't we uh just move on we talked a little bit about the ongoing google trial there is uh, another big trial that we will be getting to in the coming months or maybe even years but uh yeah. the ftc officially uh filed its complaint against its antitrust complaint against amazon against amazon this week any any thoughts uh, there? Anything that caught your attention? Yeah, so a couple things I'd mentioned about that. So first of all, least surprising piece of FTC litigation in history, right? Because, uh, you know, Lena Khan, the chair of the FTC, like made her career, like built her reputation on a Yale Law Review article that basically argued that Amazon was a monopoly and needed to be better regulated. And uh, this is, you know, this is like her big kahuna like this is her, 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 the, the one that she really wanted to do. And, um, you know, it just strikes me that I'm not entirely convinced that they have a case. Like, it, it just feels like, while they're, they're certainly ultra, <clears throat> you know, it's a very competitive, uh, company. They, they want to get as much market share here as they can. It just doesn't feel like they dominate, the, uh, that their domination of the market, uh, is preventing anyone from competing. And, you know, you, you see things like um, uh, Xi'an and uh, uh, the, the Chinese retailer and uh, really uh, gaining market share very rapidly. You see TikTok getting into e-commerce. You see um, some of the things that they have done where people thought it was going to be like a big deal, like buying Whole Foods doesn't seem to have really helped them very much yeah. in grocery um, so I, I'm just not convinced that this is a super compelling case. And, you know, they, they're trying to, they're basically trying to say um, Amazon min, manipulates prices. That in some cases they're arguing that they, they keep prices too, too artificially low. In other prices they argue, well, they're keeping prices artificially high. It's just, it's a mishmash of arguments. 
I'm not convinced. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, obviously there have to be, Lena Khan is very bright. You can take issue with her, her views. The FTC must have very, uh, a staff of very smart lawyers. So I'm not, I don't think we should dismiss this. Uh, no. They certainly have an uphill battle, it would seem, based on the on, on, on the current law. Yeah. Our, yeah. And, I, and I would I would also say that, um, to your point, this is going to take a while. I'd note that the Google trial that's now ongoing was filed by the Justice Department three years ago. Yeah. Um, this case seems unlikely to be in a courtroom before, you know, best case is maybe late 2024, but more likely 2025 and maybe 2026. So... Um, when, when of course, you may have when of course you may have different a different person running the FTC. It's worth you could have a different person running the FTC, and that might change the course of that yeah, litigation yeah, as well. And then yeah. also the other thing, and I think you, you, one of the messages in a way from the Google trial is like technology moves fast. I mean, so like the Google trial over um, over search did not at all anticipate um, you know say ChatGPT um, and yeah. other ways of getting information online. Um, you know, that, that it's hard not to think about them as a, at least an indirect player in search. Um, yeah, no, I see using the internet to gener generate, uh, to find information. It seems like a search alternative. And so they have a little more competition than they did. Yeah. Okay. And I would just point out, by the way, our, our colleague, Tay Kim wrote a, a story on Amazon FTC yesterday and he just, you know, he had one, he had one stat or, or made one point in there that really stuck out to me, which is that last year if you take out uh aws uh the cloud business from amazon's uh income statement they basically lost 11 billion dollars on the, the retail business if you look at it that way yeah and, no I, w I would say that depends on how you count the advertising piece okay um, but that's okay, a, because, sure fair enough but i think the idea was that if, if they're losing 11 billion dollars you know, where is that value going? Well, it's most likely going to consumers in the form of lower prices and better customer service and the like. And, you know, does that, is that what a monopoly does? Now, maybe it allows them to be a better monopoly in 10 years. That might be Lena Khan's view, but I just thought that was very Right. Well, so there's a, there is a funny line there between um, I'm going to try and reinforce my relationship with my customers by making our business more competitive uh, and by, by treating the customers better. Yeah. Um, you, it's a little hard to argue that that's problematic, right? right. Like if we exactly. do more same day delivery, is that a problem? Now there are some tying questions around their use of logistics uh, um, and things like that. That um, you know, I don't know that I'm, I'm I have a, a huge conviction on one on one way or the other. But yeah, I think to your point, it's kind of an uphill battle. Yeah. All right. Um, let's. So you know, we're we're almost uh, we've run through most of our time. But why don't we do a couple other things? Let's talk about IPOs for a second, because the last time we were on, we had this. We were in the midst of this hot streak of of three big IPOs from Arm, the chip designer, Instacart, and uh, Clavio, the uh, kind of uh, tech marketing firm. Um, how have they done uh, now that they've all been? out public for what, a week to two weeks? Uh, and what does it tell us on where IPOs go from here, do you think? Sure, so they've done okay. I mean, I think um, Clavio's actually been the best performer. Actually, all four, all three of them are up today, as it turns out, by four or five. Okay. Good day for the market so far. Um, but I think if you look at it as a whole, kind of meh. I mean, ARM, uh, you know, priced at 51, uh, traded as high as the like low 60s. I think it peaked at like 63 or something like that. And now it's at 55. Um, 
Instacart has been sort of the laggard here. It's trading a little below the $30 IPO price. Um, you know, I, and, and that's, by the way, let's keep in mind, Instacart was once valued in the private market as at $39 billion. And now it's around, I think the market cap's around eight. Um, Clavio, which is a very fast growing company, they're, they're putting up really, you know, high double digit growth um, and they're profitable um is doing a little better the stock also came at 30 it's trading around 36 or 37 uh, but i think that the biggest takeaway for me here is none of them have blown the doors off so like you haven't seen any s1s like n- nobody is clamoring to go public because of these three deals so uh you know i think in all three cases there are they are what the market has been called like sliver deals meaning like you know, they're selling under 10% of the equity of the company. Yeah. In Farm's case, there's only one other owner, right? Because it was a spin from um, SoftBank. Um, I, I don't think this is, I described it uh, in, in uh, Tech Trader this week as less about prying open the IPO window than like throwing a brick through the window. Like, like yeah, it's kind of open, but you know, the glass is still a little jagged. Yeah. I, I think we will get more IPOs. Um, and, you know, there's a couple things that we think are coming. We know that Birkenstock, hardly a tech company, um, you know, 250-year-old shoemaker um, is is getting ready to go public. But, like, in terms of, like, the really high-profile uh, unicorns, nobody's in a hurry. I, I just don't – I just think unless you really need the money, right? Um, you're going to wait for a better day. Okay. All right. So, um, so it's like, okay, not, none of them are disasters. Um, Instacart is the one that's a little bit of a, probably the biggest disappointment. Arm is arguably the most important one because of the nature of their business. Um, you know, their, their design, their chip designs are in all kinds of devices, including almost every smartphone, but it's expensive. Um, it, it's, it, it's, you know, other than NVIDIA, it's probably the most expensive tech stock out there. So, um, you know, kind of a, I give it a B minus, right? B-. Like, no, it's okay, but it, it's not, um, uh, I don't think that this set of IPOs changes much. Okay. All right. Uh, well, then I think that, that is uh, great as helpful. Um, so we, you mentioned chips just briefly. We actually have a question from Robert, which I'll, uh, I'll bring to you. Uh, he asks about the outlook for Intel. It's one of those names that's always out there. Uh, they have been making some some bigger moves of late. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Intel? Okay, so I, I think longer term, uh, you know, the the success or failure of Intel is still primarily tied to their foundry strategy, right? They're building these big fabs in Arizona and in Ohio and in a couple of places around the world, and you know they're trying to compete with TSMC and uh, as a as a ch- contract chip manufacturer. And that's really just getting started. They they kind of alluded at one recent investor event that they had had, uh, they'd signed up a, a large customer uh, to prepay for capacity in Arizona, uh, but so far haven't said who it is. There's been speculation. Is it NVIDIA? Is it Amazon? Is it somebody else? They haven't said. Okay. Uh, but that was certainly an encouraging moment. Now, I will note uh, that last week, um, rather than uh, go to Facebook, I went to a, uh, an, a developer event that Intel was having. Um, theirs was actually at the uh, San Jose Convention Center, not on their campus. But in any case, their big focus was AI. And they talked incessantly about AI PCs 
Uh, they think that there's going to be a big upgrade cycle in PCs uh, where you will have AI capability in every laptop. And uh, now, and they think it's going to happen fast. So like, you know, they think that you're going to have uh, this new generation of, of PCs starting in 2024. That is consistent, by the way, with things I've heard from uh, both Dell and HP uh, that they're beginning to work on these kinds of PCs. And the idea is not that you'll run large language models on them, but uh, you'll be able to, be able to do um, some new kinds of uh, data analysis, searching uh, of information that's already on your laptop. And um, if they're right, it's sort of interesting because it, it takes the laptop because it's kind of a throwback. Yeah. Where if yeah. you actually care about the specs on your laptop, remember we would talk about like, ooh, I have a Pentium. Um, I sure do. And nobody does that now. And uh, but the the implication is that you know you're going to care again. And if that is true, and I, if that is true, it has a lot of implications. I would note um, uh, Micron, and we, maybe we should talk about Micron for a minute before we wrap up, uh, which reported earnings last night. Micron told me uh, they are excited about this trend too because. Uh, they think that these new AI-focused PCs uh, will require much more memory, uh, right. both RAM and NAND, than in a traditional laptop. So we'll see how that plays out. Okay. So yeah, I mean, basically, just to to give a quick summary on on Micron because we do we do have to wrap up, but they had uh, not the best last quarter, but they are feeling more optimistic on the outlook. This is sort of an off-period earnings report, um, so it keeps us a little more busy. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like, what, did, what did it? What did we learn about Micron? Um, kind of, and what it means right now. For sure. Market. So, so um, Micron had a terrible quarter, but that was not a surprise. Like everyone knew it was going to be a terrible quarter. Uh, there, the they were down like forty something percent. I think around forty percent year over year at the top line. But again, that was completely expected. The numbers were actually slightly better than guidance. Um, so, um, you know, bad quarter that no one was surprised by. And then the guidance was actually. Okay, at the top line, they actually beat the uh, street consensus at the top line. Their uh, EPS, and I say I use the term E there loosely because they're losing money at the moment, um, but they're going to have a little bit wider loss per share uh, in the in the what's for them in November quarter than the street had anticipated, and that's you know so which another way of looking at that is like margins are not quite as high as the street had hoped, and uh, and at the same time, you know when you talk to the company, they basically say, look. We've, we've gone through this really bad period. There was a glut of chips, uh, particularly for their, you know, two of their biggest end markets, PCs and, and uh, smartphones, um, and also some some of the same problem in data center. And they basically say, all that's being fixed. Um, some of the competitors have reduced capacity. They say pricing is improving for both NAND and DRAM, um, and things just get better from here. And they think pricing will strengthen throughout 2024. Um, you know, they're, they, one, one, I think interesting part of the story is they're, they're seeing really strong demand for this, uh, this thing called high bandwidth, uh, memory, which is used, uh, in data centers, largely for AI applications. Yeah. What do you know? AI. What do you know? AI is everywhere. So um, this is a bit of a preview. Um, I mean, a month from now we will have been hearing probably from a lot more chip makers. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see whether you sort of this idea that we've, we've hit bottom for the chip market. And uh, 2024 is looking a lot better. We'll, we'll have a better sense for that in about a month. Yeah. And the other thing, I think, just as we get closer to earnings to kind of really be 
uh, and you know, we'll talk more about earnings, I think, on a future uh, chat. But I, I think one thing to keep an eye on is this notion of, um, uh, you know, AI is really important. Yeah. Um, but it's the impact is still like a few, at least a few quarters away for most companies other than like NVIDIA. Right. Um, so, so the street's sort of going to need to grapple with that. Um, and we'll see how we will, and we will be grappling with it as well. And we will grapple too. All right. Well, that's, uh, we have, we've used up all our time. Thank you, Eric. Uh, thank you to everyone for being with us today. Um, and join Barron's live again tomorrow We're, uh, for an outlook on natural gas, heating oil, and propane prices that will include, uh, our colleagues from Opus Energy Insights. Thanks again for listening. Stay well and have a great day. The energy transition is a long and winding road and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.